0: You are watching Vidgull, and now from Otacon. This is the congoer features. So, what do you want to know? You've been to many of these conventions. Um, how
1: do you think uh, Otakon's uh, stacking up this year, too? Uh... Well, first of all, um, I, I was expecting it to be a little quieter because of the economy, and yeah. it's and I, I, last year was my first year here, and, um, and it, uh, it's it's amazing. I mean, there's many more people here. It's it's a uh, it's just Otacon's quickly becoming my favorite convention, um, uh, partly because of the way the uh, Oticon management. Deals with us and, and treats us—they're really terrific—and uh, and the fans here in Baltimore are just wonderful. They're great people and they're really passionate and, um, and friendly to each other. And it's a, it's a great—it's a great convention.
0: Um, does anyone else have one? Okay. In that case, um, uh, you've done uh, the voice acting
1: and some, you know, some productions and direction. Which side of what chair do you like being on best? That's an interesting question. Um, I, uh, I, I, uh, I do a lot of stuff. I produce, I direct, I write, and each of them, I, I, there's a love I have of each of those things. Uh, for producing, I like it because I, I, I like to be in control, <laughs> and, uh, and I, get to, I get to really drive the, the production and the story. Um, as a director, I, I found, though, a long time ago, um, acting is my first joy, it's where I started, and it's really, uh, it's really where my heart lies, but I also discovered that I get the same joy out of directing because it's, it's the opposite side of the storytelling, and I'm still working with actors. So it really depends on, I, I kind of love what I'm doing at the moment, and I just, I, I, I try to stay real, real grateful. I'm very fortunate that I get to do what I like to do for a living. And uh, so I, I try not to pick. Um, I, I like it all, but I, I guess in the long run, if I had to choose one, it would probably be directing and acting a little. <laughs> yes.
0: Watching a few shows that I remember from back
1: then,
0: now that oh wow, it's the same voice actor. <laughs> um, what, what
1: was it like? Well, it was it was a brave new world. Uh, nobody knew what it was um, when I when I told people what I did. They kind of looked at me and like, is that that Japanimation stuff? You know, that's the way I would get it. Um, it. We were we were discovering how to do it at the time. I, I worked with the people who kind of invented this style of of producing, and um, and they taught me. And, um, and we were really kind of finding our way. There was The technology really didn't, didn't lend itself to what we did quite as well. It was all designed for motion pictures and that's a different... It's a different. Dubbing in, in, in motion pictures is a post-production process, so you, you approach it differently. Dubbing in this case is a production process. You have to approach it as, in, in a different way creatively. And, and we were still learning how to do that. There was no beeps. There was no computers. There was no uh, ways to expand and, and do some of the things that we can do now. So you really had to be skilled at, at, um, at creating a performance over and over and over again uh, in an identical way so that they wouldn't kill you. Um, also, it paid a lot less <laughs> than it does now. It was really something that, that you did as an entry level, and nobody really knew about it. And it was kind of a big secret in town, um, and there wasn't a lot of it. Anime wasn't nearly as popular or mainstream as it is today. So there was very few productions, uh, unless you were going to dub Chinese Kung Fu movies. That was out there. I actually did a Jackie Chan movie once early in my career. Um, and Because uh, that was the only other kind of dubbing that you found in town. So it's it was a lot less available, and there was a lot less training involved, and there was a lot less uh, expectation from the audience to be good. Um, when I, I left anime for a while, I left voice acting for a while to produce, and then, and then I went to, uh, went to work for Spawn Entertainment, eventually produced and... Uh, that developed and was the head writer on Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, and um, and I did that for quite a while. I did some movies, and when I came back to acting, anime had exploded. It was a completely different business. Uh, I actually make a living at it. Um, it. It pays reasonably well. There's plenty of product. There's lots of fans, and um, and so it's a lot more. Uh, it's a lot more interesting now. It's a lot more fun now.
0: Well, you said you're very grateful for the various jobs you've had. There, have there been sort of early in the career jobs that you're not so grateful about? You know, to, you know get up in a hot dog costume, hand up flyers, sort of thing. Uh, well, <laughs> yeah, there was early... a couple.
1: Um, it, mostly when auditions, because uh, I, I started out trying to do camera work, and, um, and I found myself in an audition one day for Piggly Wiggly Markets in the South. And uh, Piggly Wiggly or Winn-Dixie, I'm not sure which, it was yeah. one of those two. Same company, owned them both. And, uh, and I walked into the audition, they hand me the, the script, and they hand me a costume which is kind of odd. And I had to wear a butcher's costume and, and hold a rubber chicken and then read this commercial off of cue cards into the camera. <coughs> and all I'm thinking is, I went through acting school for this. <laughs> and I didn't get the part either, so <laughs> damn. Um, so, yeah, there's, you know, there's, there's a great line in the movie, Fame, and, and it says, an actor's life comes with a pie in the face. It's part of what you do. I mean, there's all sorts of silly things that you're asked to do. And, um, and it's, part of, it's part of the growing up process. And, uh, and you learn to do them uh, with a smile on your face and uh, with a little gratitude because they're giving you money after all. And, um, and that's just part of how you get there. So um, yes and no. There's some silly things there, but nothing that really is terribly embarrassing. Actually, I had to get naked in the first movie I was ever in. I was 17 years old. And it was a shower scene in a boy's shower. It wasn't anything sexual. But that was, you know, when the director says, okay, you need to take your clothes off. It's like, What? <laughs> Did it anyway? It wasn't that bad, you know. So that's about the weirdest thing I ever had to do. I never had to do that again, thank God. I think it's because they actually saw what I looked like without closing <laughs> <laughs> Does anybody else have Because 'Cause I've got one.
0: Oh, Um, with the Power Rangers, when you were like developing the script, did you watch like the original series from Japan, which was uh, z ranger Z-Ranger? Z-Ranger. The time and when you were watching, did you like watch the actual series to like? incorporate stuff from the original Japanese Sentai show? Or was it to create a whole new uh, plot around the characters?
1: Well the answer to this is yes and no. I mean we did watch, uh, the way it was presented to me because it wasn't my idea. It was, uh, to be fair, it was Haim Saban's idea and a guy named Shuki Levy uh, who had come up with this idea to do this eight years before. And I had actually done a couple of Uh, versions of of a Sentai show uh, for them as a pilot presentation a couple of times before we got to Power Rangers. In fact, we did one called Metalhead with uh, footage from a show called Metalder, which eventually became VR Troopers, by the way. But we did a full What's Up Tiger Lily send-up of it, and MTV almost bought it. It was between us and, and Aeon Flux. And they decided to go cool with Aeon Flux instead of Silly with with Metalhead. And if they'd have bought it, there would have never been a Power Ranger, so it was kind of fortuitous. So we did watch the footage, and I remember in the meeting, uh, he brought me and Ellen Levy-Sarnoff, who was the development VP at the time at Saban, and he showed us this silly show of Rangers with, you know, latex monsters and people jumping around in spandex. And he said, Tony, I I want you guys to build an American show around this using this footage. And I don't know if I thought it or said it, but it was, uh, I think you're out of your freaking mind. <laughs> but once we cut the footage down, um, we actually did a test. We cut all of the Asian footage out, anything that looked like it was in Tokyo. So any cars driving on the left, anything with kanji on it, any, any Asian faces. And just edited that together with a simple soundtrack of music, rock music, and we played it to kids. And they went completely ape over it. And so we knew we had something. But we also knew that we had to keep it very American, so we did not consider any of what the Japanese did in the original story. Plus, it was all about ancestral monster, you know, yeah. ancestor, and it's just not something that's that's coherent in American culture. So uh, all we did was we cut the footage out, and then we built an original story around it that would incorporate that footage, and that's what made it work. So uh, I wish I could say that we were being true to it, but no, we weren't. <laughs> yes. Based off of that. Um Watching From the pilot to the actual show, what what um, what brought on the change? Why was it so different? From the pilot, the pilot. Well, was. well, we learned a few things making the pilot. First of all, about what worked and what didn't work, uh, both at creatively and at a production level, because we had to bring this show in at a price. I mean, part of the deal was that this was a very very low budget television show for a live action show, so. Um, so we learned a lot in that. Um, there was a cast change uh, uh, between the pilot episode that we had a different yellow ranger in the pilot. And that had to do with some contractual issues that she wasn't happy with. And, and so we parted company, friendly, but we parted company and we brought in Twee to play the character. Um, and part of it was there's a lot of focus grouping involved in, in, in uh, where we take, we take a show, an episode, and we put it in front of a group of kids and we get their opinions of it. So that allowed us to make some adjustments and changes. Um, but the other thing is is that Shuki, although he had invented the original idea, he was not around when we did the, with the pilot, and when we came back to redo the pilot as the first episode, he wanted some changes in order to bring his vision into it, um, and I think it was the combination of what we did and then bringing his vision into it that really made it click, and uh, he's all about chemistry, so he really played off, like, wanted to play off the chemistry between the, 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 the characters and, and the actors themselves, so that's why there were some changes. Does Metalhead still exist anywhere? Do it exists an e- it? it exists on a VHS tape oh. in my library. you ever seen that on YouTube? No, 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 I don't want to get sued. <laughs> yes.
0: This is kind of really all off topic, but that you mentioned the, the change in Power Rangers. I remember seeing a YouTube clip of what Sailor Moon would have been. I don't know if anybody has seen this, That it would have been more like um, Sweet Valley High or one of those types of books had
1: they have not gone with the original. Mm-hmm. I, 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 it just made me think. Oh, okay, yeah. I <laughs> yeah, actually had a little... I was around when they did Sweet Valley High. That was an interesting show. <laughs> um, well, do did, did you have any sort of... Uh, uh,
0: what would you say, artistically, creatively, uh, would you use the influence you tend to draw more from sort of refresh the creative juices? Because sometimes you've got to, uh, you know, patch things together as a producer, sometimes a director
1: sometimes something. Or is there something... as there like a ritual you go through? You know, go and you sit, you know... No, I'm not a real ritual guy. Um, I try to take each project on for what it is, because uh, I, I, I really think um, um, if, how do I put this? if it was all my vision, I'm not sure if I would be successful. Because, I mean, things that I do, some people like, some people don't. Some things I do are good, and some things I do aren't so good. So I try to approach each project for what it is on its own face value. Um, in terms of creative juices, because I do write for a living also, um, I read a lot, and I read a lot of sci-fi. I like social sci-fi. My favorite series is Ender's Game, all the Ender's Game books and all in Shadow. I've I read them all. There's a new one out, Ender in Exile. I just finished it. It's excellent. <laughs> so that's what I do to kind of read you, because I, I find fascination in that, and um, and um, and I get inspired by that. And Have you so, read any of Neil Stephenson's social sci-fi? I haven't, but I, now that you've told me, I'll
0: look it up. <laughs> <laughs> Because he, he was very influenced, oddly enough, by you know a lot of the Power Rangers, Sentai, a lot of Americanized, uh, you know, Japanese stuff. Uh, the, uh, the main character, is the hero protagonist, and he actually mm-hmm. makes a nod to a bunch of the Savant stuff. So yeah. I thought it'd oh, that's be Interesting nice. that you're both reading each other's thing. <laughs> that would be fun. <laughs> yeah. That would. Be
1: fine. I'm going to look that up. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. It's. Uh, we all have to look. There's there's an old adage that there's only seven stories in the world, and they're all variations on those seven stories. And so uh, we all have to take influence from each other. And we all build on each other. And, um, and sometimes that seems like plagiarism, but it really isn't. It's really kind of a, a, a natural evolution of, of the creative, whatever that creative thing is that we do. So. Well, is there a piece that you're proudest of? Um, yeah, there's an anime. Um, there's a lot of them. I, 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 try, I, I fall in love with every show I do, <laughs> uh, particularly as a director, because uh, you have to love the characters in the story to direct a story. And, and, and the ones that I didn't love didn't come out so good. But uh, I think out of all of the things that I've done in recent years, uh, I'm, uh, anime, directing, the mo- thing I'm most proud of is, uh, is two shows, The um, Flag. It's a little known anime, it's 13 episodes, it's a, it's a geopolitical drama about a, uh, about a, uh, a girl who's a girl journalist who's embedded in a UN unit that's trying to quell a revolution in Tibet. And it's all told from the point of view of her camera. So everything you see is her news camera. So the only time you see her is when she puts the camera down and walks in front of it to do stuff. And it's told from, from her camera's perspective and her friend, who's another journalist who's not embedded, from his perspective. He's telling the other side of the story, and he narrates it. And it's a wonderful piece. Um, it's got a lot of allegories to what's going on today. Um, the, the cast they gave me was extraordinary. and They did a wonderful job. It's very naturalistic, very cinematic, and it's and it's wonderful. And the other piece, and only because it's... It just it captured me the same way it seems to have captured the audience in that Um It's it's uh, I mean literally at the in, in the last few episodes when everybody's dying. I hope I'm not spoiling anything. Um, when everybody's dying, um, I mean we were literally crying in the studio. I mean we finished, and these actors are so good and the dialogue of the story and we're going okay. Let's get another take. <laughs> you know it's like that. And uh, and I'm really proud of the way it came out. And um, uh, so those are as a director as a as a performer. Um, Harry and Gungrave. Um, again, I'm not a not a really widely known thing, but he was my first villain, and um, and he's such a complex character who, who had a little good in him, but it was overcome by his evil and his mania, and I really got to uh, I really got to act. It really was an acting challenge for me, and um, and at the end when he has this complete personality breakdown on camera, I, I just it was great. I had no voice left. You know, again, we're all weeping, and it's just—it's—it's it's really an emotional thing to do some of this stuff, and uh, I think that's why I like it so much.
0: Now, yes. Creativity, Back when you had the big Sentai Russian shows like Power Rangers and Bear back and back again, do you feel that people have gotten more creative as time has gone on, or that maybe they're just rehashing old ideas?
1: Like well. Well, sometimes rehashing an old idea is a very creative thing to do, um, especially if you improve on it or change it. Um, I don't know, I thought that, uh, you know, Power Rangers was, was its own creative creative endeavor. Uh, it was a show I was involved in from the blank page all the way to hit status. And so we really did invent that out of whole cloth. Not only did we have to invent the show, but we had to invent a way to shoot the show and make it. So we had to come up with a whole new way of making a kids' TV show that was not only creative, but cost-effective as well. Um, the other shows behind that that we did, VR Troopers, Master Rider, Beetleborgs, those were kind of a rehash, uh, trying to capitalize on that. And the idea I think Saban had was that um, everybody's going to try to capitalize it. It might as well be us. Um, but now you look at a show like Kamen Rider, which is out now, um, and they, I think they've taken the, that whole Sentai concept, Americanized Sentai concept, and they've now taken it to the next level. They've really made it more sophisticated. Uh, they brought the acting more realistic. It's less of a cartoon. We were deliberately trying to be a cartoon. They're deliberately trying to be an action show. So I, I think everything builds on the next thing. And uh, you know I can't wait to see what comes next. <laughs> more questions? Um, have you seen any shows
0: like from Japan, like animes, that you maybe would like to bring over to America that you would be like
1: to produce, direct, yes. or act in? Yes, I got the opportunity a couple of years ago to go to Tokyo and uh to work on a a documentary that may or may not get finished Uh, we're still negotiating and one was on robotech and one was on power rangers so i got to meet the people who created these shows and i was introduced to the head of tatsunoko productions and the head of toy who created the the people who created all this stuff and while i was there i was at the i went to the tokyo film festival and um and there was a couple of shows that i saw there that i thought were dynamite and they're not here yet and one of them um, one of them is called Garo, and it's kind of Power Rangers for adults. It's a live-action show. It's it, it 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 lives on. It it grows out of the Sentai movement, but it is its own thing, uh, and it's it's very dark and very mysterious. And actually, to bring it to the United States, we'd have to there's a lot of nudity in it, so we'd have to pull back on the nudity a little bit. Um, but it's uh, it's really it's really very cool, and I would love to bring that over. I just don't have a half million dollars in my pocket right now to license it. <laughs>
0: Would that really be your ideal project? I mean, imagine that uh, you could you know remake remix, you know add your creative input to whatever properties out there even if it's
1: not Disney or whatever is there an ideal project that you would work on? Not really I mean um, I, I, I don't know it's kind of weird because I, I an ideal project would be one that I created myself and uh, I'm working on a couple movie scripts and hopefully those will get made and they're kind of they're kind of uh, based in in one is a, a kind of a Power Rangers spoof, and the other one is a is a kind of a what would happen you know, otaku saving the world. It's kind of it's kind of what it is. So it's uh, um, those would be those because I'd like to be able to create something that, that gives uh, that does an homage to to all of this and uh, treats it with love and respect, yet makes it entertaining and fun for everybody, otaku and non-otaku combined. <laughs> so, all right. Um, well,
0: oh, in the Japanese fan culture, it's mostly about the fan made items, the doujin, the, you know, basically everything. Uh, the American fan culture seems to be a whole lot more about um, just getting the stuff in the first place, you know, bringing in whatever is Japanese and changing that, even if it's altering it, you know, like for personalized costumes. Um, do you think, uh, with the amount of, like, collaboration in comics, collaboration in movies, and everything that you've been doing, um, it could, it would be one culture in 10 years? Do you think it'll still stay, you know, Oh, God, I the hope not. Producer aren't and consumer I, mean, I hope universe. not. I hope
1: it's not all one culture. I think that would be boring. Uh, the,
0: uh,
1: it, it, is the, it is the combination of cultures, the two different points of view coming to the same conclusion that I think makes it special here. Um, it's, it, it's special in its own right in Japan. Uh, and, and obviously, they're the biggest anime fans in the world because it, it comes from their point of view and it's their storytelling style and, and, it's, and it lives, it, it grows out of their own mythology. Uh, but here we have our own mythology and our own, uh, our own basis uh, where we come from and our own point of view. And I think when you combine those two, is when you really get something different and really get something, you know. And we're seeing it more and more, thanks to Tarantino and those guys who, you know, with Kill Bill and the Brain and the Matrix, bringing over that Japanese point of view but giving an American twist that makes it marketable around the world. And if and if it becomes homogenized, I think we'll lose some of that. So. Uh, Hope that answers the question. Yeah. So what is it that made you decide that? Wow, anime is cool. What really got you into this? To be qu- perfectly honest, yeah. I could make money at it. I could, I could be a, I could be a working actor and a working director and, and get paid to be creative. And and at that point in my career, I really didn't care what it was. Um, also, um, I, and I, I'm quoting another actor. I don't know who said this, but but I, I didn't find anime. It found me. Um, I found it, uh, I find the storytelling extraordinarily expressive in a way that American animation is not. Um, uh, even the Disney stuff, as much of a Disney nut as I am, and I love Disney films, um, even that lacks a certain depth that, that uh, anime has, and that's what kept me there. It's not what got me there, but it's what kept me there. I really discovered my love of anime by doing it as I was going. And uh, and the fact that they uh, that, that the anime fans and the producers like what I did and like my voice and like all that stuff, that helps too. I, I am an actor, I, I do like applause. <laughs> We're sick puppies, all of us. <laughs> <laughs> <It's just laughs> More questions.
0: You worked on Go Anime TV, correct? Yes. And uh, who came up with that idea and how did it uh, start and everything?
1: Well, Anime TV was uh, was actually the brainchild of a guy by the name of Mark Fujita, who plays Otaku Otoko. if you have ever oh, seen the yeah. show? He's that guy, and he was working for Bang Zoom, and he and Eric Sherman kind of came up with this whole concept. Um, I thought it was a great idea because it was time for an anime uh, review show, and um, and so uh, they they. Uh, I do a lot of work with Bang Zoom. They're my biggest client, and uh, so they asked me to help out. And so we did. And I produced. I did the uh, production and the floor direction on it. Eric Sherman pro- the executive produced and directed it. Uh, we did it on a dime. We did it for next to no money. So everybody, every one of those guys in there, was doing it because they loved anime, not because they were getting paid. And um, and uh, it just came. It just grew out of that, you know. Um, they had this idea, and I knew how to make a TV show, so we kind of combined our, our, our forces. and uh, It was great. We had a great time with it. Um, I actually got to hire my son, he's a, who's a budding DP, to shoot it. He did a great job. He now works on In Plain Sight and other stuff like that, so he's, uh, he's actually doing better than me right now. <laughs> um, and, uh, and we just had a great time. The, the, the thing that was hard about it is since we were doing it for like no money, uh, we had to shoot all 12 episodes in six days. So we did it over two weekends, and um, and then uh, and then you know fought to get it edited and on the air quickly enough to make it work. Um, I can't wait to do a second season. We're working on it. Um, We had uh, somebody who wanted to do it, and they kind of strung us out, and then said no. So that's why there's been such a delay between the second season, because now we we kind of have to. It's going to cost more this time. Um, But I still think there's room for it. Uh, We got great response. I think by the second, I think the Haruhi episode got 250,000 hits. Yeah, I mean, it really, it, so the, the, the audience embraced it, so hopefully uh, we can do another one. And I get to direct the next season, so that's <laughs> kind of fun. Questions? Don't look at me, I'm a
0: afterwards. I'm with him. Okay.
1: <laughs> then I guess we're done? <laughs> oh, he
0: has. Oh, I, I suppose I could ask this for the public comment. So far, all of the guests, there's been a common thread throughout nearly all of them, and that's a love of
1: Motley Crue. <laughs> <laughs> Your Motley Crue song. <clears throat> I'm a little older than them. <laughs> I'm not a Motley Crue fan. I must. I must admit. So I really don't know any of their music. So. Do you have a favorite song? Do I have a favorite song? Wow. Uh, I'm kind of eclectic in my music, in that I like all different kinds of music. Mostly very acoustic stuff. Uh, Um, I don't really have a favorite song right now. Um, It kind of moves around. I I like, I hate to admit this, I like Broadway music a lot. Awesome. So I saw a show last year called uh, Sweet Awakening, Spring Awakening, uh, when I was in New York. And um, I think about half the music in that show I would listen to over and over and over again. So it's kind of Green Day meets Broadway. So it's a it's a lot of it's it's a great. a really cool show uh, called Glory Days. Glory Days. Days now you know it was
0: Broadway, did, we did Broadway for like a week and now it's in Tokyo. Mm-hmm. It's very cool. Yeah. Is that a Bruce
1: Springsteen musical? No, uh, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's a it's a musical about that era. Ah, cool. Well, that's my era, so uh, yeah, I'm an old fart. So. <laughs> well, thanks. All right. Well, that's it. All right. Cool. Wow.
0: Where's the con? This is the con.